In two weeks, we will celebrate the great solemnity of Pentecost, the pouring forth of the Holy Spirit upon the church, the foundation of the church as an evangelical church, as a church sent to the nations. Today, in our gospel, we are challenged to begin that meditation upon what will happen at Pentecost. Jesus says to us, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit have to do with me, with all of us? Our first two readings lead us to meditate upon the Holy Spirit as the Spirit is sent to the church, to the earthly church and the heavenly church alike. We see in that second reading from the book of Revelation the heavenly Jerusalem, the church that is so close to God that it shines forth with His splendor, that there is no need for light because God shines forth. We also see in the first reading the earthly church, the church we know all too well, the church where there is division, where there is dissension, where there is disagreement and argument. We also see what happens when, through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the earthly church reflects and unites itself to the heavenly church. That in the teaching of the apostles, and in falling before the unity and teaching of the apostles, we would say today the teaching of the bishops, when we fall before that in heart, in mind, in will, and act, the Lord begins to shine forth through the earthly church in the heavenly reality. That it is because of the listening to the apostles, united as one, the church goes forth with the gifts of the Holy Spirit and brings the Holy Spirit to the world. We are each individually in baptism and confirmation given the Holy Spirit, but we are always given the Holy Spirit in the context and through the church. We only go forth and bear fruit through the Spirit insofar as we are united to the church. In the Second Vatican Council, the document Lumen Gentium says that the church is like a sacrament. That is a sign and instrument of communion with God. So we come to God, not around or in spite of or outside of the church, but through the church. And our communion with God is elevated insofar as we are united to Him. The great other saying from the Second Vatican Council is that the church is the people of God. And so we are reminded that in our participation in the life of Christ, through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we are always a people. We are always united to each other in service of God. In other words, we are always called to see ourselves not as uniquely individual, as set apart, but in relationship, and in relationship of service. And this, in many ways, flies in the face of what our world says to us where it's a very individualistic, very you do you, you're on your own, you have all that it takes. By falling before the church, by recognizing the centrality and importance of the Catholic Church in not only our lives, but in the peace and well-being of the world, we draw ourselves closer to Christ. We shine forth like the heavenly Jerusalem because it is not us who speak, but it is God shining in the depths of our hearts. Remember, because through baptism and confirmation, God doesn't just come and bless us. God unites himself to ourself. He unites himself to your soul. Through baptism, through confirmation, you are a divine. 
You are united with God substantially, essentially. Your vocation is to live that out with joy, with peace, with so many blessings in the church. But we also know from experience the difficulty of being in the church. This particular church, I would love to say that there is total harmony and unity amongst us, but we know that not to be true. We know that times we can get at each other's throats, we can dislike one another. We also know what it's like to see within the institutional church scoundrels and people making terrible decisions, selfish decisions, decisions which prioritize the self or the individual above the proclamation of the good news, above the peace and freedom and joy that comes from Christ. We do, to be fair, also know the saints in our midst here in this church and also throughout the universal church. Even further down the road, we know what it's like to live in the church because the church has teachings and rules that aren't easy to follow. Some are. Some make perfect sense. Love your neighbor. Serve the poor. Those make total and perfect sense when we know the gospel. Others' teachings, like contraception is never acceptable, are a very difficult thing in our world to understand, to live out and to see how God's will is being expressed through that. We are always called to recognize what Jesus tells us in the gospel. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives it, do I give it to you. Power, pleasure, wealth, honor, the world gives those things to you. But those are not things we can understand or use properly unless we know Christ, unless we live in the midst of the church. If we want peace, if we want our life to make sense, if we want to go forward always and everywhere knowing and loving God, we need to root ourselves we need to have the humility of Paul and Barnabas to lay down even the most essential and meaningful things of our life at the feet of the apostles. To listen, to be taught, to be molded. Because in the end, the gift of faith is a gift. The gift of love is a gift. We are first recipients, we are first students before we are masters and teachers as we prepare for the wonderful coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. May we take these next few weeks to recognize, to meditate upon, to pray, to reflect. How is the Holy Spirit calling me to live in the church? To be formed so that when I go forward, I don't go forward as myself, but as a member of the heavenly kingdom of Jerusalem shining forth with the light that knows no bound, the light that shines brightest in the darkness, the light that is the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, dwelling in the midst of his church.